Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, we have a special guest today. Um, uh, I, I we kind of talked off screen. Technically, cur- still current XFL offensive coordinator. Kind of a weird limbo, but also former college offensive coordinator. Uh, Ga Ma- Ga Mangus, how are you doing, Coach? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, and I mean, we talked a little bit off screen before we get to kind of your background. We talked a little bit off screen about the XFL and. Um, how you generally enjoyed it from from a, from an offensive coordinator and quarterback coach perspective? What, what what do you enjoy so much about coaching the XFL? Well, I had never coached professional football, so that part of it was intriguing. Um, when Coach Gilbride first called me, and and, and you know Kevin, I, I was the offensive coordinator for Kevin Gilbride's our head coach, and you know I had I did not know Kevin. Um, personally at all. I'd never met him and um, got a chance. uh, You know, he called me in the middle of spring practice and we were finishing up. I was coaching at Kutztown at the time up in Pennsylvania, helping a buddy of mine um, coach some division two ball up, up there in the Northeast. And and, uh, he called me and I went down to interview um, in Naples and Marco Island down there at his place. And and, uh, next thing you know, it was, uh, you know, here we are. So I, I, I really enjoyed it. And then I had, I had followed him and knew of him from afar and, and had a lot of respect for him as an offensive coach had followed him, um, through the years and, uh, watched a lot of, a lot of ball with him involved calling plays and, and part of offenses and kind of seeing how he went from the run and shoot to kind of the grind in New York and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, slinging it around with Brunel and Jacksonville. And so he's kind of, kind of run the whole gamut there with, you know, Warren Moon, Brunel and, um, and then Eli in New York, but, um, you know, different kind of different, you know, ability to change through the years. And, and so uh, it was very intriguing and a great opportunity. And um, I, I look forward to going back. Now, what was that, that transition like? Because you, you've spent since your whole career coaching college up to that point. What was that transition from I'm a college offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach to now I'm a professional coach? Um, you know, I, I thought it was going to be more than it was. Um, it, it was – you know, the kids were, and and maybe it's because of the league, you know, you've got those guys that are all fringe guys. Uh, Most of them had, had been in the league at some point in time. They, they, whether they were in camp and got cut, whether they played a couple of years and then got cut injured and got cut, you just, you know, you never know. So um, every, every story was different. Um, But those guys obviously were looking to get where they wanted to get back, you know, to the NFL. Um, so it was kind of a, the attitudes of the players, uh, was, was great. I mean, I, I, I was, um, really pleased to, to go coach, you know, of course, training camp, we had 70, 
and then we cut we, we had to cut down to, to you know 53 you know you do 40 40 uh and then you're uh 40 plus and then you're uh you know, practice squad, um, just like you do in the NFL. And, 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 but with those 70 guys in training camp, you know, you had hungry guys. Um, they were very coachable. They took to coaching. Um, and, and the beauty of it is, is that, you know, all the way down the line, they're all good players, you know? So the, the challenge of, 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 of that, um, you know, moving up to coach some pro ball was, was obviously there, but, um, you know, getting to coach, you know, where college, you know, you have, you know, you have your superstars and then you have your main core of, of good players. And then you have the guys you got to bring along and develop, um, to join the rest of the crowd, um, in, in pro football, you know, those guys are all the best, best players on their teams. Um, and, and there's a fine line between, you know, the NFL and the XFL, you know, those guys are, you know, maybe it's just 20 pounds, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the system they were in, why they got cut, because we had some wonderful players and and um, guys that have a chance to get back to the NFL and, and have a really, really good career and, and um, you know, make some good money. So um, it was uh, it, it was it was a lot. It was a lot of fun and, and, and very enjoyable um, of, of those guys and watching them carry themselves as pros on a daily basis. Now, how much did you I mean, cause like like I said, you, you coach college ball, South Carolina, Kutztown, a couple other places. Um, how much did from your, your offensive playbook change from that to the XFL and then also mixing in with Coach Gil, what Kil, Coach Gilbride wanted? How much did your playbook have to morph in terms of verbiage and overall system? Uh, well, it's changed a lot through the years. You know, going in, this would be, uh, you know, when spring of 2022, when we go back, that'd be year 30 uh, for me um, coaching and um you know, what I grew up in and Coach Spurrier's system at Florida, um, you know, underneath two back eye formation, um, you know, was, but, but it was, but we slung it around a yard, you know, we threw it all over the place. Um, and then we, and, and then we, uh, you know, we spread out in, in, in one back and, and our bandit stuff. And, and that was like freaked out the SEC, right? Back in the night, you know, 30 years ago, everybody was like, one, you can't go one back and throw it all over the yard, but we did. And so, you know, I was playing in the spread, practicing in the sweat, practiced a hell of a lot more than I played, but I, uh, you know, I, I, I was in the spread way before anybody called it the spread, you know, yeah. coach called it the fun of gun. And, and that's, that's kind of took it, you know, took a name, onto itself there in Gainesville. And, and it was, uh, it was a, a great offense to grow up in and, and, and learn. Um, the biggest difference when I got done, I was a graduate assistant there uh, for three years. And so coach kind of got my career started. Um, was very fortunate to get that job because um, they had just cut from five GAs. The NCAA changed. There was five GAs when I played and it got cut to two GAs. So they cut three jobs. And back in those days, you know, you had a hundred and say a hundred teams, you know, division one teams, that's over 300 plus jobs got cut. Um, so it was a difficult time to, to, to break in. And I was very fortunate to be at the right place at the right time and, and got in and, and got to get another three years. Cause I played for coach for two. He came in my junior year. So I got to two years as a player and, and then three years as a grad assistant. So um, it was, it was great. But what I, what I, Kind of as as time went on, I left there and I, then I coached Division three for eleven years as a head coach and offense coordinator. And um, you know, I got a chance to leave Florida system 
and got hired by Bill Cuban at Widener University. It was my first full-time job. I was coaching linebackers in the spring, and then I coached O-line in the fall and then moved to quarterbacks uh, and running backs. So uh, coaching O-line was a great, great deal for me. And plus, we were play- he was a Delaware wing T guy. So we were running double wing tri- triple. Um, and so I got, I got a good dose of that and I didn't know, I didn't know shit about the triple. And, um, so it was, it was great, um, to, to get that experience and 18 and 19 Hawk Hell, I still remember, you know, calling them and, and, um, uh, and, and, and running them and teaching the quarterback and, and then learning how to teach the quarterback in that system. So that's kind of where the, you know, my mind, the way my mind works, you start looking, okay, well, if you go in the gun and you start doing some of this stuff, um, you know, when you, when you, when you get a chance to do it, you know, truly yourself. And I got a chance to get, uh, I went to Rosinus college with Paul Gunther, who, uh, was, you know, longtime D coordinator in the NFL and, and, uh, um, was with Marvin for 14 years in Cincinnati. We were, I was the assistant head coach and the offense coordinator. He was the head coach and the defense coordinator. We lived together and were roommates and uh, it was just the two of us. We were the only full-time guys, but we, uh, we had a great two-year run at Ursinus, and I got to really spread out and do some things like I wanted and had, uh, you know, full free reign and, and kind of combine that fun and gun, what I knew, all the great things from that in the passing game, um, and then start mixing in some, some option um, and, and get in the gun. And, uh, and, and then when I was the head coach at Delaware Valley is when we really had the quarterback to do all those things and Adam not block. And that's when kind of really it started morphing. But then you get into the RPO stuff. And uh, I think that's what Kevin, Kevin saw in, in when, we, when I interviewed. He saw a lot of the RPO stuff. And, and with his, our, our passing backgrounds actually were a lot more similar than I thought. Um, and the, the run and shoot stuff's always something I've been very intrigued with. And I, the teachings of it is very intricate, obviously. And, and, and with the 20, 20 hour rule in college, I always felt that getting too much into it, you kind of had to be run and shoot or not. Um, and to do all the things that I like to do, I just could never take it to the next level with kind of the streak, streak read and, and, and those things that we were doing in, in New York and the XFL. And I love it. And it's awesome. Um, and so that was a really cool thing to be able to kind of take the passing game that we knew, but I didn't really know the intricacies of that and learn that from Kevin. And then um, he was really excited about morphing the two together with the RPOs and, and the run game and being able to do that in the spread run game and, and, uh, um, screens and, and, and so forth. And so we combined it together and, and morphed it together. And we came up with us, you know, another playbook. And, and so, you know, here we are, I got, I got a ton of playbooks. I can send you, I can send you some, uh, you know, when we get done here, but, uh, it's, uh, it's fun to constantly do it. And, and I think it just goes to show you Kevin's 70 years old, but just like coach Spurrier, when he was at South Carolina, you know, I, I went to middle Tennessee. We won a bunch of games at, at middle or at Delval when I was a head coach and Rick Stock still hired me. And, and we, we didn't have the talent to do spread. And, and we, we were very, went back to kind of old school and we, that's what, how we won. And we won. And we had the ability to run the ball, play action, kind of NFL style, old school. And, and we ended up winning games and got to a bowl game that year, Motor City Bowl. Um, and then we spread out and we had time to recruit. And we started recruiting players for what we wanted to do, which was spread out. And Stock used to call it basketball on grass. So we wanted to go fast, no huddle. And I was a no huddle guy at that Del Val and, 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 and uh, Ursina started incorporating it. So, um, you know, all those all those things. And then Coach Poirier wanted to do that at South Carolina. It was kind of just in a rut, mediocre. And uh, he hired a bunch of us in 2009 to go put all that in. And, 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 and obviously everybody knows, uh, you know, you get 
you know, Stephen Garcia and Connor Shaw in there playing quarterback and Dylan Thompson. And, you know, we threw it around, ran the ball, ran spread option and, and won a bunch of games. And, and we're very fortunate uh, to have that run there with uh, 11 wins three years in a row in Carolina. So, but you see Coach Spurrier and, and those guys never got, they never got to the point where they quit learning and quit wanting to adapt to the modern day game. And that's why they've been so good for so long. I mean, I'm going to ask you about development playbook here in a second, but I, I just wrote down kind of the list of people you just mentioned that you work for. And that's a pretty uh, impressive list of coaches you were able to learn from. I mean, Gunther, Cubit, No Bride, Stockstill, Spurrier. That's a that's a nice little learning list. Just a yeah, no, there's no doubt. I've been very lucky with that, and 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 then and that's not even the you know, that's just the head yeah. guys. I mean, that's not even the you know the the really good assistants that that have all branched off from there. You know that you know Carl Franks was a was a great good football coach rich mcgeorge i was a ga for him he got hired away to uh, don shula hired him as the o-line coach of the dolphins and that's how i learned o-line i was the assistant o-line coach as a ga and after playing quarterback i i, I didn't uh you know coach spurrier we didn't talk a whole lot about o-line play when i was playing um in, in fronts and all that we were we were much more you know just coverage dictated more seven on seven learning as a quarterback and and um, the o-line coach you know go get it blocked and let's go get it done and and, uh, and it worked for us that's that's it, it, it did and, and um but when i became an o-line coach and had to learn all that stuff that was the best thing that ever happened to me as a young coach and i i recommend that to, to guys um learn as much about find an o-line guy you like and it's good and, and get around them um because it, being, when i started calling plays at 26 years old the only reason i could do that and do it well was because i had had that that great time in um with Coach McGeorge and then Jimmy Ray Stevens uh, was a great coach, Danny Warfels High School coach, and then he took over at Florida after Rich left, and I got to GA for him, and then he was my O-line coach at Middle Tennessee. Um, and, uh, you know, those guys just just learn, learn the intricacies of that because it's a game within the game, but it's, it's very important to be able to call the run game and the pass game um, and be able to get it protected and keep the quarterback from getting the crap knocked out of it. Now, you, you also mentioned earlier kind of developing a playbook. What is that process like for you? Because I'm in the middle of that process for an off, at least in terms of an offensive playbook for the first time this offseason, where I've done it for defense and special teams before, but I've kind of noticed offense is a whole different monster than those other two. What is that process of developing an offensive playbook and system look like for you? Well, it, it's I think you have to, you know, you got to be careful. And again, depending on where you're coaching, but if it's high school and it's and it's a small high school and you got guys playing, you know, one day is offense practice, the next day is defense practice. I mean, you've got to be, keep it simple, stupid. Um, you know, obviously we have an, an NFL, a professional offense in, 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 with the guardians and, and, and combining all of that. So we have this gigantic Moby Dick version, um, which I've kept together. And, I, and you just add to it. I've, I've added to it. You know, Kevin had his and it was, it was great. I have a copy. I mean, it was, it's phenomenal. And it just all through the years, just continuously adding to the, to the Moby Dick, but that's not what you give the kids and the players, um, you know, again, depending on what level you're, you're, you're coaching, but um, I, mine never stops. I mean, I watch so much Twitter, um, you know, there's so many good tools to follow on social media. That's the only damn good thing about social media. Other than that, it's accessible. <laughs> but I, I, but I love, I love, uh, you know, the, the football coaches I follow. That's predominantly what I follow is, is football yeah. coaches and, um, and, and friends. And, and, and uh, you know, that's I've been getting a chance to do a lot of that. So I take a lot of that. We all we're all thieves. 
in the game of football. And so I, I, I watch stuff, I record stuff. And then um, if I like it, I, I draw it up and put it in my language and add it to the Bible. So um, that's kind of, you know, kind of the way it goes. And then just narrow it down each week because each week, you know, especially at the higher levels, you know, each week almost becomes its own individual game plan um, and playbook in itself based on who you're playing. Okay. Now, I mean, like I said, we're, we're jumping around a lot of areas, which is fine. It's just, now you mentioned that um, obviously it's well known you played and coached for Coach Spurrier. What was the biggest differences from, from playing for the man and coaching for the man? Because I, I have to imagine that has to be two drastically different experiences. Uh, yeah, very much so. Um, and, and I say that with, with, with good intentions. It, yeah. it, you know, playing, what, what it's, it's like anything. I mean, I don't care who you play for, whether it's a, a, a charismatic personality like a Steve Spurrier or, or uh, you know, a guy like Tom Landry, you know, the stoic guy, you know, whatever. But, you know, when you have the player-coach relationship, it, it's different. And then when I got hired as a coach, um, you know, you, you start to see, you know, things different because you see more of the person, um, and especially back then, you know, I'm going back 30 years, but, um, uh, it both were great experiences. Um, I, I, you know, I, I had, I had been there. Um, I kind of survived. We had a ton of quarterbacks, uh, walk-ons, scallies, you know, every, we had 11 guys when I got there and, 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 the next thing you know, you kind of whittly way guys transfer and this and that, and and you survive and, and play behind Shane Matthews and um, and, and uh, was our starter in, in those years and, and was SEC Player of the Year. And so you know you you kind of earn your spot, you earn your deal, and and you get your reps when you can. And and I think there was you know there was that respect level there, and I and I learned a ton uh, you know those two years, even though I wasn't getting you know many reps. Um, but I, I, I just said, you know what, I'm going to sit back and learn because coaching is what I want to do and what better person and, and timing um, than I had uh, in a window to learn than I did, you know, in 1990 and 1991 seasons. And, and uh, we won. We won the SEC championship and and uh, we had a great relationship as a player coach. And then when he hired me, now you get to, you know, have a beer and play some golf and and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and you start to learn kind of where, you know, those – when you're teaching and, and, and maybe sometimes you didn't take it so great uh, because the, you know, the visor may have gotten thrown and, and all that, you realize what that's all about and, and you, you get it on another level. And, and to sit here and say that, that um, you know, here 30 years later that uh, he was just in town here recently and, and we met for happy hour and got caught up and he still rolls through Columbia um, every now and then uh, two or three times a year. And uh, we get together. So still, you know, after all, you know, gone, I've known him a long time, and, and uh, it's a it's a relationship that I cherish. That's for sure. Good. Now, and you know, like you said, you played college quarterback. You then you learned some offensive line and several other positions. But how much has your teaching of quarterbacks in terms of overall mechanics, technique, and drill work changed over that? Uh, was that twenty plus year experience? Yeah, not much. Um, you know, kind of like, like playbook, you know, you, you kind of keep adding to the technical Bible, the teaching Bible, um, drill Bible, whatever, um, you want to call it. And there's always some new drills based on what you're doing. You know, I've added some things, 
um, through the years with with some of the RPO, just kind of ball handling stuff um, and, and, and some footwork. But the base drills of throwing, I, I don't know how many guys are still out there. I still actually work with guys at, at throwing mechanics. Um, and a lot of what I've learned through the years, a lot of a lot of pro guys don't, they, you know, they draft the guy and they expect him to be ready. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I still like to develop. That's, that's what I like to do. I enjoy, the, the part of coaching that I really like is developing a player. And, and, and a guy like Dylan Thompson's a prime example. You know, he came in the same year. We signed Connor and Dylan the same year at, at, at South Carolina. And, and, and Dylan didn't have, you know, we didn't have to beat anybody on Dylan in terms of offers, but he was a good athlete. And, um, and, and, and needed some work in, in the passing game, but he, but he had the work ethic and he had the attitude and, and um, you know, we really, really worked hard with him on his mechanics and, and he hung around and had patience and, and uh, learned and absorbed and, and developed. And then his, you know, he got a chance to start his fifth year, senior year, which very rarely does anybody sit around and wait for that opportunity. Yeah. Connor, we didn't redshirt Connor and, and we redshirted Dylan. So he got a chance to be a starter for one year. Um, and, uh, and he's still the, single season all-time passing leader for a single season. Um, and, and when he got here, um, there was some guys that didn't know if he could complete a curl. And, and so, you know, if, a lot of people that I've met through the years, they would have never had the patience to wait on a guy like that or keep working with him. You have to, you have to work with those guys because if the ball comes out of their hand with a spiral, which it could, and Dylan was a good basketball player, he's a good athlete. Um, you can, and they can, you know, I can, you can, I can't teach them that, you know, no, nobody can teach them that. That's the man upstairs. You, you can either spin it or you can't spin it. Um, all that bullshit today of these young guys talking about hand talent and all these stupid code words. Now they got for all this stuff. I think that shit's ridiculous. You can either spin it or you can't, I can spin it. I'm 52 <laughs> years old and can spin the hell out of it, but I can't play anymore. You know, yeah. I'm too old, but I can still spin the ball and throw spirals and, and Dylan could do that. And he just needed to get developed some and, and, and hone, hone in and, and, and work, work his tail off, which he did. So um, those are the very satisfying things uh, about coaching that I enjoy. And, and I still do um, to this day. So um, even though coaching a little pro ball, I still work with those guys and, and you know, if, if they don't want it, then, then that's fine. You know, it is what it is, but um, I, the, the guys that take to that and stuff, if I can help them a little bit, they're throwing motions. I still like to do that. What, what is day one, quarterback development looks like for you in a practice like where do you start and then what does that kind of look like given your system uh you know it starts with with really in the you know college wise it always started with the recruiting process i mean i you always i always my my thing my four things i always look for period was was you know uh was accuracy and attitude first you know the two a's and then the two b's um being uh um you know balls and brains and, 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 you know, if, if a guy was a tough guy and a smart guy and, and he was accurate and he had a great attitude, then, and he could spin the ball, he had the God-given talent to throw a spiral, then, then I'm all in. Um, and, and everything else will take care. You know, if he's got a, uh, if he's got a hose, that's fine. Um, you know, but I, I, I like also feet. You know, Connor had the, uh, an accuracy. Um, he had a, he had a, um, he had, he was tough as nails. He, you know, he was tough, smart, um, and he was athletic as all get out. So, you know, it even had the athletic in meaning the feet, you know, into the A's, but, um, that's kind of where it starts. Cause if you have that, now you can go right into your stuff. But, you know, we, the ball drills that I did from coach Spurrier in 1990, I still do them every single day. 
um, teach them to our players in the XFL. I've taught them at every level. Um, there, there's something you can do. I've taught them to little kids at camps to um, professional football players. I, I, I think, you know, getting that ball into a good position and just the mechanic fundamentals of, of throwing mechanics um, that these drills go. And that's day one. And, um, and, and, and really, I say this day one, we do them every day. Yeah. You know, there's never a day we don't do them. Now, during the season, they're very, they're very quick. Start practice every day with those five drills, um, and I can, I'll be glad to send you those. Um, you know, my drill tape, if you, if you want that, just remind me yeah. of that. But, um, you know, we do those every day. Now, in the off season, that that that's when it expands. I think during the season, I have always taken the, the deal. It's 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 more time to, you know, an off seasons when you work on the mechanics. I, I don't I don't ever want people during the season really worried about mechanics. I want them to go out there and play and have a free mind and and um and and so the 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 hard mechanical stuff you know i was always spring practice and off season um and then once the season goes you know we had those ball drills that we do every day we're um um very quickly our quarterbacks just run out and do them you know it's one of those deals that they just do in pre-practice every day and and then uh you know we get right into the game plan and and doing those because I, I again i want them to go play with a free mind and a free spirit um and, and not be, be thinking it's like a golfer i don't want them out there thinking about out of bounds on the right water on the left and trying to <laughs> throw the ball down the middle of the field you know that's they need yeah. to just go back there and play and, and, and let it go so uh that's kind of where i've always kind of been my philosophy on that stuff now, I mean, what what was the com- most common problem you had to fix for quarterbacks coming in, and then how did you fix it? Um, I, I would say footwork through the years. Now I'm going back through the years. Yeah. Um, I, I would say footwork was always the the, the biggest issue. Now, now going back from when you took all the snaps from underneath, um, that's when you, you know that's where. Um, I still today, you know, guys don't take snaps. I mean, I recruited guys or, you know, draft guys in the XFL. We had guys in hell that had never taken a snap from underneath a lot of them, you know, and, and um, so you've got to teach them how to take a snap. I mean, that's literally, you know, day one install stuff, but you got to go do that stuff. Um, I still like to do some underneath stuff. Um, obviously I like the gun more, more so than, than anything, but, uh, I, I think there's definitely a spot for underneath, um, in today's game. And, uh, and, and, and the footwork of that is, is, can be a challenge. I'm Connor Shaw is a prime example of South Carolina. He, he was pure spread, uh, midline triple out of the gun and they were really good at it. And he was really good at it, but then to get underneath and take a play action pass and, and throw the ball down the field was, uh, it took a little time. And, it, and it's something you got to work on. I mean, you just can't, you can't just even just taking a snap from under center. Well, they've never done it. You got to teach them. Yeah. And, and so many guys don't want to do, you know, it's like taking a, taking a knee out of the gun is the one thing that frosts my ass still to this day more than anything. <laughs> I think taking a knee out of the gun and losing four yards or five yards, a total yard is just chaps my ass. So I, uh, you know, I mean, my God, take five minutes and teach them how to take a snap from underneath. Um, so I, uh, I, I think that that's probably been the biggest challenge and it's never changed. It's just different. You know, now you have to teach them to go underneath back in the day. You had to teach them how to get in the gun and the footwork out of the gun is very different. I, I get you coach. And I, I understand your frustration with that. 100%. that, is, that I just love how you worded that. Oh God. Um, what, I mean, I, I'm always curious cause I've never been in a college quarterback meeting room. How, what is the Cause I've been, I've been in a couple other ones. What is, what does that look like from, from a, 
quarterback coach or offense coordinator standpoint on what you're going over and how that meeting progresses for you? Well, you know, you, you have a lot more meetings. I mean, I've, I always met, you know, in, in course in college, you have the 20 hour rule. So you have your meetings, you have, you know, you have your time set aside for meetings. Um, but in today's world with all the iPads and, and zoom and all that stuff, you know, you can, you can, there's, there's the, the amount of time that the player wants to put into it. That's what you're going to get out of it. Right. So you expect them to do more, um, than, than the other guys, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. And, and so, um, you know, you have a lot of meetings individually, just, just with me and them. And then, you know, obviously you move in and you may be watching Skelly with the wide receivers and you're meeting together. And I think that's very important as well. So you have to find the time to do the individual meetings or just by yourself. I, I think that's important. Um, and just watching film with the quarterback and the nuances and the teaching of defenses and why are they doing this? And what's this front? All of a sudden they go from an over to an under on the left hash. What's that, what's that tip off? You know, what are all the tips? Yeah. Here it comes under smoky, right? Field, you know, America's blitz. Um, and, and all of that, you got the wide receivers don't want to hear that crap. Right. So <laughs> when you're in the meeting room with that, if you don't meet with the quarterback by yourself, to teach him what fronts are and what are the tips because of the fronts and or tilts of coverage or what have you. Um, receivers don't want to hear that. They want to hear about what route they're going to run and how they're going to catch touchdown pass. That's just the way they are. It's the way they're wired. So those that's important because when you go over the game plan of, hey, here, here's, your, here's going to be your catch. Here's your, here's your route for this week, blah, blah, blah. And, and so that's kind of the way we had it in, in, in pro football. That's definitely the way we had it. And the nice thing is there's no – rules there so you know it's a job so we're, we're, we're around and, and met my quarterbacks for hours um Luis was with Perez was uh, just a total gym rat so he was in there all the time we'd watch practice we'd watch tape um and meet together and then we'd go meet with the wide receivers and the tight ends and and, and everybody else and in, in, in our full offensive meeting and and um you know, get those guys involved too because they they'll fall asleep, you know, in, in the short meetings. And and I still believe you shouldn't have a meeting over thirty minutes. I think if you meet over thirty minutes, I think you're I think you're fooling yourself um, of any retention. You're better off. It's like it's like people that eat. You know, eat to live, don't live to eat. You know, eat five small meals a day, uh, and 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 you'd be a lot better off. And uh, and you're better off having uh, two or three. 30 minute meetings and you are one meeting for an hour, an hour and a half. Um, you know, I, I got a good buddy, Brad Loing, coach D line, the best I ever saw. He, he used to make them sit on medicine balls. He was a D line coach and he'd make them, he did, took all the chairs out of the meeting room and he had, they had to sit on those, uh, medicine balls that you do sit ups on. And, uh, that way, if it fell asleep, it fell off of it, you know, and you don't want to, <laughs> it was the best, best thing I ever saw. And, and so those guys never fell asleep or they cracked their head on the, on the hard carpet, but our, our quarterbacks, uh, you know, you, they have to retain that. And I, I just, I really believe that shorter meetings, um, numerous meetings with shorter amount of time are better. Okay. Um, and then uh, let's move on to some offensive coordinator stuff real quick. What, 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 when you're scouting somebody, what are you looking for? Um, you know, I've always been big on personnel and I learned that from coach Spurrier early. Um, he was, he was really the first one I ever saw of, of 
you know, and he had that NFL, you know, coming from his career that, you know, he played for so long in the NFL as well. And, and everything's matchups, right? In, 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 in the league and, and, and how to find them and, and, and how you match up in, in certain spots. And now what do I have to do to counter it? Um, so I, I had learned that early. So that's kind of the first thing I find, try to find who the weakest player is. Um, we don't secondary um, and, and the best player um, and, and, and what we have to do. Cause anytime, you know, my big thing has always been protection. One thing that I, I was a little um, um, kind of perplexed at the Super Bowl last week was that 92% of the time I read, they were in five man pro. Um, Kansas city was, and, 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 you know, with, with the big tackle had gotten hurt tore his Achilles the week before. I, I know when we were, we were playing Hal and Bob, you know, you mentioned Hal earlier, we were playing Bob in the, in the week five and we had a double move um, that I, I was dying to run. They, they were real aggressive corners. So we were in a little curl and go and I was dying to call it. We'd just gotten a penalty and, uh, and, and went back, and, but our right tackle had just gotten hurt. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can imagine in the XFL, if, if, if there's not 32 teams in the NFL that are happy with their O-lines all the way across the board, you can imagine, you know, in the XFL that, you know, injuries in the O-line can really damage yeah. you. So, you know, we had a, we had a good, a good backup that came in, in the game, but he's, he's a little light in the rear and, and he hadn't played much. Um, so, you know, but I wanted to call the play. So we, we chipped, you know, we, we put the back on him and got that and, and really we chip on any of those double moves anyway. So you get that extra click to get it off and yeah. we hit it for a, you know, an 80 yard touchdown. Um, and it was, uh, it was, it was good, but it, that was part of it. I mean, you start saying, what do you look at first? Well, we knew that that guy was a good pass rusher. Now we're down alignment. So let's make sure we chip them. And, and, and when we, when we get into situations, what, what do we have to do? So, um, and make sure that we practice the, not only practice them during the week, but, but that they're, they're, they're ready to go when we call and they, and they know that's what's going to come. So then that builds their confidence that, Hey, he's going to chip for me here. I'm going to get an extra click and we're going to hit this thing. You run a good route, make the good double move and let's catch a touchdown. That's exactly how it went down. So, um, I, 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 I thought that 92% of five man pro was, uh, against that Tampa D line was, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not in the meetings and everything. That was just uh, an analyst and, and watching the game myself and, and reading some stuff about it. I, I, I think if they had it to do over again, I think they may have protected those guys a little bit better up front. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, do you, do you track like explosive plays at all? Oh yeah. What, what, what do you, what do you classify as explosive plays? Everybody's got like a little different number for it. What do you classify as explosive <laughs> play? Yeah, everybody's is different. Um, you know, I I think we had for for XFL. I know I it was not exactly Kevin's was not the same as mine, um, but it was he was close. I mean, they're all close, but I think we went we, explosive was a was a ten run, ten yard run, okay. or more, and and pass was twenty. Um, I had in the past. I have gone past as being fifteen. Um, and, and, and in between 15 and 20, I've always changed it. Um, and, and explosive run, I've, I've been as low as seven, okay. um, up, up, up to 10. Um, but I, I can go with 10. I, I can, I can live with that, but you know, you start getting in the, you know, pro football and, and stuff, boy, there's not a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of 10 yard runs. Um, we had some, I mean, we had some. Um, and we ran the football pretty good, especially there toward the last two or three games when we were, we were kind of catching fire and, and winning, um, 
but uh, I think they're huge. I, I think in today's, if you don't, if you can't get explosion, um, it, it's awfully hard to be good on offense. You, you, you have to have guys that at least can get people on their heels that can create them. I mean, look at Kansas city. I mean, they're so good, but look at the explosion they have. My Lord, I mean, Tyreek Hill and, 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 and those guys, um, you know, Kelsey, even as a tight end and, and, and the quarterback himself is, <laughs> is, uh, is Patrick is, is, is phenomenal, you know? And, and so there's, you know, and sometimes you get, they're so explosive and so good that maybe sometimes you just go, you know what? And we don't need to help him. You know, he's going to run out of it. He's, he's, he's not going to get sacked. He's not going to, um, you know, do some of that, but, um, sometimes that can, um, you know, even the best ones need, you know, they need that extra click and, and more important, that confidence to know that, um, you know, game plan wise, they got it. They got it going. Now, outside of explosive plays, is there anything else you track as the season goes on? Oh, I mean, we track, we have the goal sheet all the time. I mean, yeah. rushing, you know, rushing, um, uh, you know, the stats, passing stats. The biggest thing I like is third downs. Um, I, I just think that's such a critical third downs and red zone. I mean, situational football, that's where the game's won or lost. You know, first and second, everybody always asks, you know, what do you call on first and second down? I mean, you can see I've got a sheet right here. I mean, this is that's a big sheet for me. I mean, this was this was a South Carolina Clemson game years ago. Um, but you know, I'm not I don't I don't really look at a sheet when I'm calling plays. Um, I, I, and I, and I damn sure don't have one of those that covers my face and three <laughs> others. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how they got like 800 plays. Hell, you only run 65, 75, you know, in college, we always used to try to run 80 to 90. Um, but you know, hell, you, you're going to call some of them more than once, aren't you? You know, that's what I ask guys all the time. I said, do you ever call the same play twice? I mean, I, hell, I've called them five times in a row if they can't, <laughs> if they don't stop it, you know? And um, I, I just, I've never understood that. So, you know, first and second downs, I've never worried too much about. Yeah. Um, but I do like to, ha I like to practice a lot of third downs um, because, you know, again, that's the, that's the situational that, that's going to win or lose you the game. And you're helping your defense there if you're good on third downs and all that. So we track all that stuff and, and, um, and, and practice it a lot. Um, and then, of course, we had some unique rules, you know, with overtime. We we had to have more two-point play. You know, we didn't kick extra points, so you had to carry more uh, extra point plays. So, you know, we, we would carry three times the amount of, of extra point plays that I ever carried coaching college football. Um which was uh, which was great. I mean, it was fun. You know, those are those are kind of fun <laughs> to, to sit there and practice. And we and we worked on them. You know, overtime. Yeah. You know, with our overtime rules, so we would practice all those things and and, and track all that stuff. And you know, we had an analytics. We got an analytics guy, and and uh, some of these analytics guys need to get fired. I, you know, these guys when you're down when you're down eight points and and uh, you kick field goals. I, I don't, I don't, I'd, I'd fire my analytics guy. I don't, I don't understand that. That's, that's, that's called bat dumbass math is what that is. Um, and, and, uh, I, I don't understand some of that stuff. So we, we have one and we, and we talk every week and go over some stuff, but, um, at the end of the day, hell, you got to use, you know, math, math, two, two plus two is four, you know, in my world. Yeah. So, um, no, that's perfect. Coach. Um, speaking, speaking of, uh, of, your, your play call sheet there that you, you showed off. It, so is that kind of the mythology you take is if pretty much if you can't memorize it, it's getting a little too much. Always. Yeah. 
it's and that's what everybody's always asking. Why don't you, you know, what's your what's your play sheet? I don't see you with one, you know. And Mike, I mean, look at look, watch Leach. I mean, Leach, yeah. Leach has like a little note card, yeah, you know, that he, that he may peek at. And that's I have a sheet that I like to have my situational stuff, and in between series when I'm not calling, then I like to look at that. Or if I get caught in the middle of a of a heated situation on a third and one, I like to be able to be able to look at and say, Hey, here's my, this is my number one call. This is the one we practiced, you know, over and over and over during the week. And this is what we're going with. So just as a reminder sheet, but, um, you know, the, the I, I've been very fortunate to do it for a long time and, and get a chance to call it for a long time. And, 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 and in most cases get to call it what I like to call it. So it's, it's kind of in my brain. Um, more than it is anything, and it just gets into those situational and feels, feel calls that you you kind of have your stuff. But um, you know, I've always tended to do it. The sheet I showed you, you know, was you know first and foremost you have formationally, and, and the ones you want to have formationally, and then uh, the the backside of it was always the situational. Okay, um, a couple of quick 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 questions before we wrap up here, Coach. Um, first, and, and I, cause I had a buddy wanted me to ask you is. Uh, do you do anything to train quarterbacks on anticipation, anticipating their throws? Um, yeah, I guess you could call it that. Um, you know, I, I, I anticipation's a little bit like the spiral. Okay. In that, you know, I think a lot of guys just kind of have it. Um, can it get better? Absolutely. Um, it, the problem is, is that the game. It's it's just like two years ago Super Bowl. Um, you know, Mahomes, everybody talked about this and that and, and, and how good he is and, and this, but there's so many plays. The reason they won that game two years ago was it wasn't the way he played because he really didn't play that well, but all of the plays he made that won the game were out of the structure of the offense. <clears throat> so it's hard to teach that. You can practice that with guys running at them and moving, but so many plays are, are out of the structure. Um, in terms of the timing, I mean, if you get to take a five-step drop, hitch, and throw <clears throat> without getting hit or without getting somebody in your face or something, I mean, that that's those are lower – overall, if you run 70 plays in a game, you might get to do that 15 times. Other than that, something's happening, whether it's a game and a guy in front of your face. And, and those are the things that I think are, are more important for a quarterback to anticipate than it is um, – you know, whether or not, you know, the guy's going to come open. I mean, a lot of that has to do with trust. And 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 I think when we, we do that, I've, I've always been big at setting up cones when you just get and throw on air and and, and, and putting cones and, and getting the quarterback to look out in front. You know, my one of my big things, and I learned from Coach Spurrier many years ago, but, you know, somewhere between five and seven yards out front of where you're throwing, let's say he's running a dig from the from your left. Um, you're going to want to look out to the right five to seven yards of where the ball is going to be thrown. So that kind of teaches you to anticipate. You ha- you don't have any choice because you're not staring at him. Most of the time, the guys that can't anticipate are guys that stare at their receivers. So if they're watching him run that dig the whole way, they're going to throw it behind him. If you look out in front of him, they're going to anticipate that he's he's coming, and you're going to throw it out in front of him so he can run through the ball. And and so <clears throat> we do that. That's just kind of how we teach the offense. So I don't know that it's – I don't necessarily call it anticipation drills. I know a bunch of guys have them and, and, and things that they do. Um, but it, it, depending on the structure of your offense, you know, anticipation is 
extremely important for good quarterbacks. There's no question about it. And, and I think anything you can do to help them in that um, is good, but that, that should be off-season stuff as well. Um, <clears throat> those things of, of what I'm talking about, looking out in front, I mean, those are just drills. That's something we do every single day in routes on, uh, you know, RVAs. Okay. And then you also mentioned earlier, obviously, it's the op- option component in your offense. How, how do you work that in practice? Uh, try to put that portion in, you know, so, you know, you've got your seven on seven, you got your inside drill, um, <clears throat> you know, seven on seven, we call it that pass Kelly, you know, depends on what, what everybody calls it. Right. Um, you know, seven on seven has always been normally your, your standard, you know, your power, your zone, your, you know, you're working on your run game, you know, your base run game. Um, and then I always like to do outside runs or team and do it against 11 on 11 rather than seven on seven, which is really seven on 11. If you're a defensive coach, you know, that changed years ago. You know, they like to get the safeties down there and, 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 uh, you know, it turns into a, uh, you know, a terrible drill. You know, I don't, I don't know when that changed many years ago. I've been fighting that for, for years. We all have, uh, the, the middle-aged offensive guys, you know, so, um, but when you get 11 on 11 and now they have to, stop all the outside runs and so you work on your pen and pulls you work on your speedos um and and then and then also mix in your rpos at the time so it's an rpo period and and i think that's the best way to practice it um it's worked for us i i I don't uh you know to group everything together more importantly how you get it all on film and it's all you can just go right to it now you can here's the problems here's and make the corrections and go from there um well coaches um that was coach uh ga mangus uh, I'll put Coach's uh, Twitter handle in the bio. Uh, for those of you interested in following him and try- reaching out to him, uh, that will be in the bio of the video as normal, along with the tags. If you want to go back to listen to any portion of this, for those of you listening to the podcast audio-only version, again, all the tags and all that stuff is in the bio of the, of the podcast as well. I want to thank Coach for coming on. Um, this was a good time, good little chance to learn about kind of where he's been. Um, some quarterback play and some offense coordinator stuff. Um, so I'm appreciative of coach. And then that was another episode of the gap down backer podcast. <laughs>